Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show on the road. Oh, I am on the road. It's an amazing feeling sometimes. Uh, Definitely feeling some serious nostalgia because I am staying, believe it or not, in one of the motels that I stayed in when I hiked the Appalachian Trail like 11 years ago. Unbelievable. 2012, I was up here. It's just north of Adkins, Virginia, a little town called Bland. And the motel's called the the Big Walker Motel, and it's on this bluff, and we're in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'm filled, absolutely filled, brimming with nostalgia from that time. I have a nice little cocktail after a long road trip from Indianapolis, and... uh, yeah, this is ah, this is this is pretty darn cool. So that's what we're gonna get into. We're gonna talk about the road. We're gonna talk about uh, presentations. We're gonna talk about just the AT and and the feel of what it was like to to rock up to these places and walk these views instead of drive them. But uh, before we start the show, like I always say. If you want to support not only this podcast, but the future adventures of the Mighty Sparrow and myself, um, consider becoming part of the Patreon family. We're 52 strong at this point. We're, we've sort of been hovering right at that number, which I am absolutely 100% grateful for. I mean, it really does, basically, it all gets funneled right back into the boat, um, and it, it is something that, I don't know, I, I can't thank people enough for for sort of just saying, Hey, you know, it's a way to say, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy the content. I enjoy the podcast and I listen to it. And, uh, here's, here's a couple of, couple of bones, uh, from me to you and uh, big shout out though. We, we did have a, a new patron, uh, sign up and I, I think I can pronounce her name correctly, but I think it's Lila and she is a fellow West sale, uh, owner over there currently I believe in Ireland or England and uh, got a, a great email with some pictures of the boat it's beautiful and and she's just in the beginnings of it she kind of kind of did what I did where you went and essentially kind of threw out the rolled the dice so to speak on the gamble of like will this lifestyle suit me and uh, so far she's loving it so good luck on on getting used to sailing that boat and enjoy every moment because that first couple of years are just absolutely phenomenal but thank you all so so much so follow the link in the uh, podcast description and uh, that'll take you right to the patreon stuff which is more than appreciated you will never know how much that uh, really helps other than that we got the merch line out uh, you can follow the link for that one for shirts and hoodies and all that sort of stuff. And then if you want to reach out to the show, sailing into oblivion.com, follow the podcast link and that will take you directly to the show. I did, I had, I had, we had an awesome, awesome, uh, presentation up there in Dexter. Got to see a lot of good familiar faces. Shout out Jane, Jane and Brian for housing me up there and just being super cool big dinner afterwards like I can't it's just that's one of the things that I love about being out on the road and sort of being able to travel around and see all these people and and do these events because you're running into all these people that you knew and you're reconnecting and it really is phenomenal um you know everybody's telling all the stories about what's been going on and I don't know, you know, sometimes the world can seem yeah, so lonely and it can seem like you're you're sort of caught in this little bubble and then all of a sudden if you if you take on that uh that little bit of uh adventure and and get out of that comfort zone, break out of that bubble and go out into that real world, all of a sudden you start realizing that you keep bumping into people that you knew and and uh you start creating some new memories and I think that for me has been a very welcome adjustment uh, in the last, I don't know, couple of weeks and whatever. I, you know, 
I don't want to say anything's better or worse or anything like that, but it's just it's it's been really really good. Shout out to Kimmy DeGiulio. Uh she is one of the reporters on Local Four in Detroit. Got me on the sh- on the show, and I I gotta tell you. That was terrifying, um, terrifying, but exciting. All that sort of stuff is good, bad and everything in between. You know, I, I was staying with a friend of mine, Scott, shout out Scott up there in D town. And, oh man, you know, we we're watching, I think it was the today show morning show, whatever, something like that. And they had an author on there and I, you know, we we're kind of like, boy, I wonder if they do that on any of these other ones. And I, I have a lovely connection, uh, Kimmy and, all of a sudden, you know, I texted her just to sort of, just sort of see, you know, I had to take off pretty soon. It was no big deal. Uh, but I was, I, I kind of just, I was like, Hey, is, uh, do you guys ever do that where, where you have authors on your show or anything like that? And they do the morning show in Detroit for like the local news. And it's like an NBC affiliate. Maybe I'll put the link in the description of this one. Uh, yeah, I might as well. I'll throw, I'll throw a link into it. I have not watched it. Excuse me. I have not watched it because I'm a little terrified too. But uh, I don't know. It's only it's like a two minute spot, but it's this crazy experience because so you go over like the night before. This all happened very very rapidly, by the way. So the night before, there's they're sort of like okay, well these are are the possible questions that you're gonna get asked. They give you like three or four of them. It's only about a two minute spot, so you have to sort of nail it. And when I, when I had spoken with Eric Saperston, uh, shout out Eric, um, who is a, you know, a full on, uh, he's made documentaries, written books, um, like heavy hitter, keynote speaker sort of guy. And, uh, he, I, I signed up to basically sit down with him for about an hour and get some, get some, real deal information about what it takes to to get to the next level with this sort of speaking stuff and uh one of the things that he had said is that you know when you get this uh, these opportunities to like go on on a local morning show or anything like that it's you're only going to have three or four sentences or you know one or two minutes to be able to talk and you need to be able to nail all those things down so that's like running through your head and it definitely was running through mine and I had it, I'm pretty sure I had it all set up in my brain and I was like, yeah, okay. I, I got answers to these questions that sound pretty articulate, pretty decent. Um, I, I should be able to do this when I get my cue sort of thing. But at the same time you walk in, like I, you know, I'm driving into Detroit. It's like six in the morning haven't slept all that much because I was kind of nervous because you're sort of like, well, this is one of those things where I have this opportunity. I have this chance. And if I don't screw it up and I do a good job, then, you know, this will be great. If I screw it up, then that's going to just be a missed opportunity. And I, I, I remember thinking to myself like, hey, you know what? Remember, it is just it's just one of possibly many let's not worry about it. Let's not get super hyped up, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but you can only trick your mind so much, you, you know, the anxiety when you walk in and then all of a sudden you're wearing one of those badges around your neck and you're sitting in a big room, uh, the green room, and it says the green room on it and the news is playing and you can sort of almost hear it in a little bit of an echo because you're that close to the studio and then they come and they grab you and they take you right into the actual studio and there's huge cameras everywhere and there's people miking you up and then like all right well just go stand over there and it'll be about like five ten minutes you know we're gonna do the weather and then and I'm just I'm kind of there trying to just smile and I you know uh just not not screw up not trip over one of the 87,000 big giant wires that are everywhere and meanwhile you know you're watching these these professional anchors and and reporters and stuff that are actually in the in the studio just clowning the minute they go to commercial break they're just like da, 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 no big deal they're all chatting talking all this sort of stuff and then as soon as the person who's sort of uh coordinating all this is like all right here we go and then everybody like gets right back into the zone but i'm over there panic level seven just like holy cow holy cow all right let's do this what's my name jerome something 
Jerome Rand. Yes. Okay. Name Jerome Rand. And oh my gosh, they're going to ask me those questions. What was my answer? And I'm starting to just totally second guess myself, all that sort of stuff. And then they call me up and I'm sitting on the couch. And you know, I mean, it's just that, like you've seen in the TV and the movies, all that sort of stuff a million times of, you know, the, the person gets brought on some sort of morning show. And I, like, I kept imagining that scene from Oh, Talladega Nights where he's, you know, being interviewed and he doesn't know what to do with his hands. And he's sort of like, what should I do with my hands? And I'm kind of thinking, because there's three cameras that are facing us. And I'm, I don't, I, nobody's given me any instruction at all. None. Zero. Zilch. Uh, besides Kimmy sort of feeding me a little bit of info before I got there. But I was pretty much like, <laughs> okay. Uh, but I tried to look cool, calm, collective. Tried not to talk too much keep the answers short, all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting start to the day. Plus later that day I was going to be presenting in, uh, Dexter, which was another, you know, 45 minutes away or something like that. So it was a full on day for sure, but huge props, huge props to everybody that made that happen. Um, and all the people that have just been sort of housing me and, and having me over and just sort of bending over backwards to help in any way, shape, or form. And I, I can't thank you all enough. Um, you know, I, I got back. I, I got to Dexter, and I got to see Dobbs. Obviously, we got to do the podcast. Uh, shout out to episode 196, maybe, something like that. I don't even know. Um, we're closing in on 200, and I'm pretty sure I know – who the guest is going to be, though I shall not speak of those guests in the future. Like I said, I never would. Um, but yeah, and then you know, take a take a nice long nap, and then gear up for the the presentation at the Dexter District Library, which went great. Holy smokes, great crowd, friendly, familiar faces, uh, a lot of strange new faces, but that's awesome as well, and. I don't know. You just can't beat it. I, I, I don't know. It, it's awesome. You know, I was there probably for three hours or something, you know, a little bit of prep in the beginning. We were filming it cause we're trying to get this sizzle reel sort of thing going. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of Hollywoody typey stuff, uh, that goes into, if you want to try and make that leap into the sort of next level of, of being able to do corporate, uh, sort of stuff when it comes to, when it comes to public speaking and keynote speaking. So, you know, some of it I'm, I'm excited about, uh, the possibility of, uh, and other parts of it, I'm sort of a little bit like, yeah, it doesn't sound a lot like genuine. I mean, I, I truthfully love to have, you know, a pretty standard outline for my presentations. I have, I have the videos and the clips that I like to show, but I like to sort of just, not so, not really go off the cuff when I'm actually up there, but I like to leave it open. There's there are going to be a few like one liners, I guess, that are going to come into play all the time because the audience sort of always seems to react really well to it. So I like to utilize those. But at the same time, I I you know, I changed up the entire ending of this presentation this last time just because I sort of thought, hey, you know, uh, I thought about it this way and it kind of I want to see how see how that feels coming out of my mouth. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. I like there's I like there to be a, <clears throat> kind of an authentic, genuine portion to these talks I don't want them to just be this generic thing that I repeat over and over and over again I want it to be sort of specific to each and every event like obviously it'd be different for a yacht club than it would be for you know a uh, a club or a group that was completely separate from the world of sailing to someone or a group of people that wanted to learn about more I don't know the the takeaways and the, the lessons learned and sort of the things that became very apparent to me after I went through those struggles, the highs, the lows, all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, you know, any, anything that sort of leans towards that whole Hollywood showbiz edge is always a little bit like that's a big warning sign for me. I mean, there's the glitz and the glamor, but I'm pretty sure like behind the scenes, it's, ah, it's just not, 
It's not all that great, but at the, at the same time, the paychecks are. And when I, I'm, I'm sitting here actually adding up, adding up the costs of what, what, what the reality is going to be for getting Sparrow back in the water. And it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. There's all these little things, you know, just, just as a, (laughs) just as a quick example for, for Sparrow right now to go into the water and be able to like sort of safely sail away from the shore. Um, I need a new EPIRB. So that's over, that's just around five, $600. I need a spare AIS antenna. That's two seventy because uh, it's a specific one. What a pain! I need bottom paint, and the bottom paint that I use is about two hundred and fifty to two hundred and seventy bucks a gallon. And I need three gallons. Um, I need to get a mainsail, like a spare one, because the one I have I have two on there. One of them's just done. It's absolutely done, and I need to always have two of those. Um, the launch costs five hundred, and the fuel it's going to be at least two hundred. And then you know, just paying for the yard bill for the next three four months it's going to be a thousand bucks. Like I, you know, it's one of those things where holy smokes, like it adds up so fast. I don't like to talk about money too much on this show because I don't want I don't want it to ever be sort of the poignant uh, part of it. But it is a reality, and so it's one of those things where I'm out here busting the hump, trying to make as much of it as I can uh, to hopefully set sail uh, this winter and sort of go have some more adventures and everything, and that's sort of the game plan. So, But yeah, boy, I hate looking at these numbers because it's so easy to uh, forget little things, and I've done that. You know, I, I've been spoiled up in Maine absolutely spoiled uh every time i'm up there and i'm working for night marine the biggest and best little boatyard in maine and so much of this stuff doesn't cost anything because it's because i work for them and i work my butt off for them and then to sort of be somewhere else where everything has that price tag it's um it's a little it takes a little getting used to let's just say that Mm. but in any event, I digress. So, well, but I will say, I guess to, to button that up, one of the reasons that I'm trying to sort of calculate this is just to come up with sort of a finite number so that I have that goal. I, I have what I know I need to have, um, and that gives me sort of a realistic glimpse into, you know, I know how many bookings I have for the next month month and a half and i know and i hopefully will soon know how much it will cost me to be able to kind of get things going um and then depending on the voyage or the adventure like if it's just going down to the caribbean you know other costs get incurred things like you know you got to have a dinghy all that sort of stuff uh to be able to get around and you know the cost of food down there is pretty expensive all that sort of stuff but um Ah, you know, it is, uh, it is what it is. So uh, the, the goal of this though, is to at least have sort of, uh, an actual tangible sort of number. So I can say like, Oh, okay, that is going to be doable. And I will have that X amount. So, you know, that's when I'll be ready or I'll have to find work for another month and a half or something like that. Or I have to book this many gigs or, you know, uh, as, not fun as it seems, but the reality of it, like, is you could look at it and be like, that's, that's not attainable. Um, you know, you do, you do have to plot and plan for these things, but we'll see. I've got, uh, I've got some time to cultivate and think and try and figure out a a game plan for that and all that sort of stuff, but we shall see. But Regardless, uh, yeah, so I'm headed down right now to go and see Sparrow, actually. I've got a bunch of stuff. My sewing machine, which weighs like 60 pounds, uh, which I definitely didn't want to ship. I need to see Sparrow anyway after it went through Tropical Storm Ophelia and make sure everything's all up to snuff and like no portholes opened up or anything like that. Um, Make sure no animals have, have decided to make that their home. So... 
I'm going to get down there tomorrow midday, which will be fantastic. Be able to see the boat, everything, pay the yard bill, uh, at least up to date. And then uh, spend probably one, possibly two nights on board before heading up to Connecticut for my next uh, next speaking engagement. So it'll be kind of cool. It, you know, honestly, I, I know I'm going to spend the vast majority of tomorrow cleaning uh, hopefully not mold. Hopefully I'm just cleaning up, you know, the dust and, and just trying to air everything out, but be able to drop off all the stuff that I need to drop off, kind of see the boat, hang out, um, uh, maybe do a little bit of work. Obviously I don't have very much time, but you know, uh, it'll be nice to get home. It'll be nice to get home. You know, I forget that I've been away from Sparrow since early May. So that's, May, June, July, August, September. Yeah, so it's like four or five months. And uh, it's a long time to be away from home. Regardless of uh, what anybody else says, Sparrow's Sparrow's been my home for a long time now. And uh, that's kind of how I think of her. And even though her where she resides might be different, she is always the same. So it'll be nice to get aboard. Have a couple of nights sleep there and then uh, dive right back in. But oh man, it is it's so cool being on the road and I'm just like I'm blasting along. And I kept there, you know, I, I got to about three o'clock today and I was sort of getting a little tired, a little bit road weary. Had to do some emails and things like that. And uh, I was kind of looking, I pulled off the road a couple of times trying to find motels and stuff. and uh, I'm not very technologically advanced as far as trying to use things like Siri and all that, but um, so I use the the road signs uh, when they tell me there's a lot of hotels or motels. But I did notice a sign that said Bland, Virginia, and I was like, "Holy cow! I know that name. That's from the AT." And then I saw a sign for the Big Walker Motel, and I was like, Err! and pulled right in here and it was pretty amazing like I looked up the hill and there it is and I, I just couldn't believe it I was like holy smokes I wish I had the my journal that that had the AT in it uh, that's unfortunately on Sparrow but I could have gone back and looked at it and seen seen what I wrote and uh and what I was going through at that point but man I tell you it just I it's it's one of those old time motels like that you pull your your car directly up in front of the the room you know everything's on one level and it's just super long and you know parking spot in each in, in front of each room and you know you, it, it, they just seem these kind of places seem more I, I these are the ones I always look for if I don't if I can only have to walk six feet between my car and my room that is, that's perfect. That's what I'm looking for. Old school, like the, I'm looking around in this room right now. It's got wallpaper with deer on it. It's got the spackled ceiling. It's got two crazy old queen size beds. Um, it's It does have the kind of more modern desk and a flat screen TV, I guess. But it's, I don't know. They're always reminiscent of the motel that they stay in, in planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, where you know they after they burnt up the car all that sort of stuff and they end up staying in there and having a bunch of drinks I don't know it, it just takes me back to the AT because these these were the motels you always tried to stay in this is typically there they used to be less expensive you know back then you were paying between 40 60 bucks a night now you're you're guaranteed pretty much to pay a hundy um, everywhere I've gone so far on this trip it has been at least a hundred dollars to stay in a motel and I'm looking for the lower end, man. Uh, there's no, there's no Holiday Inn Express. There's no Hiltons in my future. I am, uh, I'm looking at Econo Lodges and and you know Motel Eight or Hotel Eight or whatever it is. I look for the six. If there was a Hotel Four or Hotel Two, oh man, I'd be all over that. But no, I I look for these old school mom and pop sort of uh, non corporate ones because. You know, they're they're old and they're not I'm not looking for amenities. I'm looking for the charm is what I'm 
sort of uh i'm looking for but you know it's so funny because i'm sitting out in front of this place and you know chatting with the neighbors all stuff i got great neighbors that have um a trike and the guy has custom fit like an extra little seat for his dog hanging off the back of this trike and it's like a whole little dog bed and everything in there it's super cool he's got hooked up with lights and everything and the dog's name is Cy. and just you know that's that sort of stuff you don't do that at the holiday and express you might do that it's kind of weird you find these these sort of oh excuse me oh man after road cocktail getting to me uh you find these, you find these sort of. I, I don't want to say low end, but like they're the the less expensive, let's say motels, the old school pull up in front of the room ones, and you're gonna meet the neighbors, right? And then you get to the mid range stuff where it's like a two floor thing. You can't park right in front of your place. Uh, everybody just slams their doors. Um, you know, you take an elevator to your room. Blah blah blah. You don't meet anybody. Because they don't have a bar, they don't have any of that. Then you get to the super high end places that do have a bar and a restaurant, and then you meet people again. It's like the whole middle section is just vacant of any sort of good vibes and communal, like, hey, we're in a motel, or hey, we're in a super high end resort hotel. This is awesome. Let's meet other people. That middle section, uh, you know, from the Red Roof Inn to the Comfort Inn to the you know, whatever in, uh, I don't know, the, to the stock and standard, eh, eh, I will go out of my way to find one of these motels where you can just pull right up to your room because you are almost guaranteed to meet other people at these places, at least have a funny conversation, and uh, I don't know, you can't beat it, man. You just can't beat it. That's, that's, that's the Americana. I mean, up in the UP, they have some of the, the, and most of them are just rotting in the wilderness is just eating them alive at this point. But there are so many of those old motels just like this, where it's one big long strip or up there. They even, because it's such a woodland set and I, I'm assuming there were all those tiny houses, each individual cabin room, but they're all in a line sort of thing. And you know, it's kind of sad to see them go. I mean, I know they, they're just getting pushed out by the big corporate chains and everything like that, but um, there is something about these. You know, I, I open that door, and my trunk is literally right there. There's, You just can't beat that, I at least in my estimation. You know, the carpet is green. Um, the room is very clean. It's immaculate. I will say that. It's just used. It's just utilized. Um, it doesn't need to be brand new by my expectations. I just, you know, as long as it's clean and it smells all right, that's what I'm looking for. So a lot of nostalgia just flooding back in. I used to come in here with the backpack and literally drop that sucker and just like jump on that bed and just lay there like, ugh. I don't have to move anymore. When I was hiking that AT, man, I mean, your your bones, your muscles are aching, your skin is aching, the, your bones are aching. <clears throat> and by the time you hit that hotel, you literally, you're just like, I don't care about anything except where's the menu to order the pizza? But that usually wears off because you're like, man, I need beer. I need beer now. And then uh, it's like, where's the gas station? And this place has a little like Circle K or whatever it is just down the hill uh, within striking distance, let's just say. And uh, I remember it well. <laughs> Nothing changes. Drove through old uh, West Virginia today as well and uh, got to see giant piles of coal and I can't remember what little, there was a couple little towns and then a couple big cities, it seemed like, that I drove through and got a little crazy, got to go through some tunnels, but man, it is, it's it's pretty amazing, you know, you're in Indiana and everything's pretty flat and then all of a sudden you're in Ohio and it's still pretty flat, but then all of a sudden you start getting hilly and you see those ridges lines in the distance and and then you get to the Appalachians, and it is something else. You know, you're going through all these twisty, turny stuff, and some areas it's still 70 miles an hour. And, ah, it's just, I don't know. 
It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. We live in such a beautiful country. We are just absolutely blessed. The road trip is, I think, an inherently like American thing. I think I wasn't on Skyline Drive. I think today I was on the Blue Ridge Parkway for a bit. I'm not really sure. I was just amazed. I was just taking it all in. You never know when, you know, it'll be the last time you go on some big road trip like this. And uh, I don't know. It was it was nice. It's, you know, it's cloudy. It's sunny, blah, blah, blah. But the trees are starting to turn and the hills and everything were just absolutely beautiful. Man, I'm, I'm just feeling very lucky. And I'm, I'm only, yeah, maybe like five hours, maybe a little more away from Sparrow which would be pretty exciting as well. But I don't know. I just wandering across this place and I must have passed where the AT crosses 77 um, and just missed it somehow. Normally I pick up on that real fast. Uh, Anytime I get close and I'm on the freeway, I just, I'm like, oh, oh, it's coming up. It's coming up because there's usually signs that say Appalachian Trail. And I don't know, I missed it today, but um and I'm not backtracking. You can't backtrack on a road trip, man. You just got to go. Just keep going. That's it. Moving forward. But, yeah, so tomorrow, hit that up. I mean, I'm living and dying by the schedule right now, just trying to keep it all straight and uh, essentially get out of the car and then throw out some emails, try and make sure I'm staying connected and keeping keeping everything straight. I've, I've had nightmares, uh, in the past where I like miss dates or I'm late to talks or something like that. And that's, uh, that's absolutely terrifying. Cause I, I feel like I am, I feel like I'm, I'm in control, uh, as far as the schedule and staying on top of it, but I'm, I'm right on the ragged edge sometimes. And I like to really try and stay on top of that because you want to sound professional you want to seem like you know what the heck you're doing. and uh, But at the same time, when it's just you that's doing it, it's a lot to sort of hold on to uh, and make sure you don't mess up. And, you know, it's pretty – I don't want to say it's simple, but essentially, you know, if somebody's like, okay, yeah, we'd like to have you, we'll host you for such and such date, then you got to send a contract over and you send them a press pack and all that sort of stuff. And then when they send you the contract back, that's when you – book it down in ink on the calendar. And until that moment, that date is still sort of free. I, I'm not booking enough places to claim that, you know, oh, I might get somebody else. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, It's been interesting. It's been a lot of fun to, to sort of get back onto it. And yeah, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little tired now just from riding on the road or, or driving on the road. It would be nice. I've seen a lot of motorcycles, right, that have quite a bit of storage on them. And it always makes me raise the old eyebrow. I mean, I know that would have to be like a spring, summer, fall, uh, mostly summer sort of thing. But, boy, it'd be cool to do a road trip on a motorcycle that incorporates speaking engagements. <laughs> I think that would be the best of both worlds there because you get the cross-country road trip uh, mixed in with, uh, being able to sort of visit these places and make a little money. But, um, nah, I don't know out of a vehicle. It's pretty good. It allows me, uh, plenty of space. And that's one of the things that I have to do tonight and tomorrow morning is do a little bit of organization and make sure I'm sort of staying on point. I got to order more books, which is a great problem to have. Uh, we're starting to sell right through those, man. I don't know. It was just, there's a lot of facets to it. I know I'm sort of just rambling here, but uh, I am all alone on this trip, so it is kind of nice. Need the I need the therapy of a solo podcast, you know. Um, Dobbs just took it out of me. <laughs> Shout out to Dobbs. I always I love. He's the only person that I have on the podcast who definitely overpowers my voice on here, and I'm really I've got a lot of good microphone awareness as far as how close it is from me he's just his voice is booming he's like a nuclear bomb going off it's un- incredible incredible mm. oh wait just one second all right so I just had to take a quick peek outside because we finally had uh, the clouds lift and a huge orange moon has peaked over 
the mountaintops, and I'm definitely moving this podcast outside to just talk about what I'm seeing. So uh, I don't know how good the audio quality will be because we are very close to Interstate 77, and uh, so it's pretty loud out there. But I don't know. So you, some of you might not want to have to listen to the rest of this. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a pre send off before I go out there, but uh, thank you all for listening, and we definitely are going to have some great shows coming up. Got some awesome people lined up, even though I'm not going to dive in or tell you who they are or what they're about, but it's going to be good. I think we're I think we're going to maintain that goal of two shows a week uh, for the future, so thank you all so much for your support, and uh, here we go to the outside. All right, we are back. Holy cow. This is so cool. Oh, man. I got to crack an ice-cold brewski. So just to sort of try and give you a little bit of what I'm looking at, this view. So we're up on this hill right next to Interstate 77. Um, the hill's got to be at least 300, maybe 400 feet higher than the actual highway or freeway. And... There's one of those old school motel signs, which each each block is red with the, the white lettering, like M-O-T-E-L. And that's all lit up behind me with a couple street lights. The main office of this hotel or motel has like an A-frame and then it sort of splits off and then goes back to, you know, where all the rooms are sort of lining away from that. But there's like a switchback to get up here, and there's old-timey like steam engine and some old like farm equipment and stuff, kind of as the accoutrement. Um, and then just down below is a Circle K. What's gas going for right now? Oh, it looks like two, no, three forty-six for regular. Freaking four, four uh, thirty-nine for Supreme. That's not too bad. In D-Town, it was way more than that. But, man, there's so many. And, the, and then so the ridge line is just, you know, it's huge. There's a lot to look at compared to, you know, Michigan, Indiana, all that sort of stuff. But it is uh, it's all being sort of lit up or at least backlit right now by this moon, which is a day past being full. And there's just trucks and cars and everybody's still just zooming around because it's still early enough. It's only... Eight o'clock, I guess. Mm. It's so cool. I don't know. There's something about the road, you know. I I always think like, where, where the heck are all these people going? And I wonder if they ever think that about me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm if if somebody and there's I don't know if that's a cop down there who's trying to nail people. There's somebody that's pulled over, sort of. There's like. I'm, I, I am bearing witness to the on-ramp for southbound traffic. I can see where the crossroad goes into, I think, I guess it's the town of Bland. Uh, and then I'm on the opposite side. So it's quite a vantage point up here. Um, really is Really is spectacular. But watching that moon just rise up, and it's, you know... I would say it was full, except I just see the slightest, slightest bit of uh, missing moon. Ooh, there's a nice big engine break for you. Nice. Ugh. A lot of, lot of that going on. These are steep hills around here, man. It gets a little sketchy. I got behind we got behind one, one uh, semi that was literally doing 35 and I was coming up on him doing 70 like that's a big slowdown there so you got to stay on your toes but it's a really interesting part to to be in I, I was really lucky that it wasn't raining today it rained a lot yesterday so that uh, that's never fun I I honestly would rather just pull off and go oh yeah there you go gotta be able to hear that Ooh, that guy's got, like, crazy lights, too. You know, he's, like, a, a lifetime truck driver. Oh, that's so awesome. I always thought about that, you know, back in the day. What would it be like? You know, you sign on, you get your license, maybe you get your own rig. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how all that world works, but uh, 
that'd be an interesting way to see see uh, America via the cab of a eighteen wheeler. Hmm. Different paths, you know. Different paths. Yeah, I still there's this like car parked down there. Kind of wonder if it's. It doesn't look like a cop. Can't really see. All I can see is the headlights. I don't think it'd be a cop because it's got its lights on still. But there were a couple sneaky Johnny Laws out there today. I'll tell you that much. Um, I am a pretty law-abiding roadster out there. You know, five over, maybe seven if the flow of traffic is pretty hot. I like to stay with the flow of traffic. I feel like that's pretty acceptable. If everybody's doing 10 over, you do 10 over, you know. You don't want to, you know, it's one thing to upset the cops. It's another thing to upset all the people around you. Try to be as courteous a driver as possible. I, you know, watching Colin, shout out Colin, friend of the show, watching him uh, deal with long-distance travel on the highways up in the UP was it was pretty hilarious to see how upset he gets. And, uh, you know, if you just put yourself in that perspective of like, dude, every single person that you might have just sort of casually switched lanes without using your blinker on, uh, they might be getting a little upset, might be getting a little hot. As Dave Boone would say, uh, the wires are touching up there. Uh, we don't want that. Anybody going uh, chief on you, you know, there, so... We've got to try and be as courteous as possible. Let people in, you know. If somebody, if you're if you're slowly passing a semi because you're doing like one mile an hour faster than them, and all of a sudden there's a line behind you, maybe speed up. Maybe, you know, you, nobody's gonna give you a ticket for that. So let's just let's kick it in gear. Okay, so now I'm watching a couple of a couple of cars getting on that. Oh yeah, first car's flooring it. Jeez, he's just speeding right up. Whole merging thing, man. That is something else. You never really know what you're gonna get. I still remember there was a time closest I ever got to getting into a super high speed accident was uh somewhere on the east coast. Man, oh man. I'm flying by and this eighteen wheeler comes off of that on ramp and just literally just, just right over into my lane. I'm right there and he's he doesn't give two somethings and just right over and I just had to get out of my lane it was like okay sorry it's kind of one of those things like I got 18 wheels you got four get out of my way and I was like yes sir no problem but I think I might have honked my horn at that time I could probably count the number of times I've honked my horn uh at another vehicle on two hands probably in my life to be honest, I almost never use uh, use the old horn. But I also live in small towns, so and I don't own a car, so I guess that equates to uh, the lesser horn usage. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I could sit out here for like hours just looking at these cars and trucks just rolling. Right now, it's I'd say, ooh, there's a nice engine brake. Um, I'd say we're about, ooh, it kind of looks like about 60% commerce like trucks and about 40 percent cars at this point you know my younger years i had no problem driving through the night i actually preferred it because the traffic was so light i did see a lot of deer today so that's a deterrent but mostly it's just my old age at this point you know the eyes aren't as good as they used to be and uh, i don't know the thought of saddling up in a nice little motel somewhere grabbing a a beer or two and uh you know not necessarily really turning on the tv like this this is way better tv is just overrated man that there's just too much input i'm looking at a moon at a mountain sort of tree line thing and cars going by and this is way way entertaining this is just good. I could watch this. Like I said, I could watch this for hours. It's kind of similar to watching waves out in the ocean, I guess. You just kind of get, it's like a hypnotic sort of thing. I almost wish I could be a little closer. You know, it does remind me, and I can't remember exactly what state it was. It, it had to have been New York or something, but there's this part where you go over this turnpike. 
on the AT. So you're hiking, you're hiking, and you have to cross. Like, obviously, without a crosswalk or anything like that, you have to cross an interstate or a turnpike or something, a two-lane, people going 80 miles an hour uh, in one direction. you got to cross that, and then you get into the median, and then, you know, 100 yards, 200 yards later, the other side of traffic is going the other way, and you got to cross that, and it's forested in between. And I still remember contemplating a quick stealth camp in between, except, you know, you could definitely smell the exhaust. I mean, you're in the middle of, of, you know, hundreds, thousands, who knows how many cars moving back and forth all day, all night and the noise and everything. I mean, it's pretty deafening. If you've ever been on the freeway, you know, um, you know, those patches of, of woodland area in between where, you know, the roads just a couple hundred yards away or the other side of the highway, whatever. And, uh, I, I camped out pretty darn close to that thing, but not in the middle. But I always wondered what it would have been like. It was raining, so it wasn't a, a, a great little position to do. But I do remember like looking down this freeway and I'm like I'm like, okay, those cars are pretty far away. But they are moving fast. And I sort of like stumbled a little bit out and then pulled back and was kinda thinking to myself, no, 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 a little too early. That's that those cars are way too close. Cause again, you know, you get used to that three mile an hour motion. And 70, 80 miles an hour is really hard to judge. So it took me a little while, but I, you know, death be darned, and I went for it. Um, but, yeah, I still I still will never forget being in that little midsection because, you know, you, you spend enough time on the road as, you know, I've done a lot of road trips when I was in my, like, teens and 20s and stuff. And obviously when I was a kid in the 80s, like, dude, that's a, that was like the family roadster the family road trip, you know, National Lampoons, like everybody did that. That's how you got around. It was great. I mean, it was miserable, but it was great. Like those were the days, dude. Freaking Sven and Adam and Jerome in the back of like a minivan. What? Can you even imagine how miserable that must have been for my parents? I can't even like the the fights that broke out. Ah, yeah, yeah, but regardless uh those were good times good memories that's uh the sort of stuff i always like to i always ponder those when i'm on the road now and uh it's so lonely i just listened to my podcasts although i did uh break into the old piggy bank today and uh downloaded another jack reacher novel to listen to Ooh, there's a nice engine break Jeez. oh no that's an acceleration that guy's going up He's got some crazy lights. Dang. I think, I you know, all right, I'm going to just throw this out there. It might be a little controversial, but, you know, out at sea, there is a defined sort of system for what lights you display on your vessel so that people know which direction they're going. Man, you get on this road, and sometimes people have the craziest lights. And it's a little bit uh, distracting. And I kind of feel like maybe, maybe the road ought to adopt something like that where there's not too many crazy lights. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you get pulled over if you got crazy neon flashing lights, things like that. But I'm looking at a truck right now. It's got 7, 10, 12 orange lights, and then it's got its brake lights. Like, when that passes you by, that's a little hard to deal with. The other one is when you go through these tunnels, it's like a strobe light effect. And uh, that messes with my eyes. I have an astigmatism. It's not easy to deal with. Stripes and strobes, not easy to deal with. I got to deal with it, and I'm going through this tunnel. There's no escape. Then I'm getting claustrophobic. So I'm, I'm, I've got an astigmatism. I'm claustrophobic, and I'm dealing with that. It's not fun. Um, I feel like the lights should all be one full tube of fluorescence and uh and that should be good that's my take that's all i'm gonna say on that because i am starting to sound like a bit of a crazy person but boy this is just a great place it really is i'm uh i'm fully fully loving this this is just this is this is just too much i can't even believe i've stumbled across this place again 
and and quite literally the first time I I wouldn't say I stumbled because by the time you get here on the AT, you've literally gone halfway. So you've hiked for a thousand miles. You're not stumbling. You are striding across the United States of America. Um, so I didn't stumble in here, although I probably limped in. I wouldn't doubt that. Mm. Oh, the ambiance. It's a little chilly. Probably should have worn a, uh, a sweater out here. Somebody was calling me Brooks Brothers guy when I was on uh, <laughs> on the news the other day because I, you know, obviously you want to look sort of uh, professional. And my buddy Scott, shout out Scott, was uh, trying to get me to wear a suit coat, which was way over the top like that. Just, I don't know, me, me in a coat. Like I gave that up a long time ago. That's just not a look that I uh, can pull off at all or want to, but. Uh, it was chilly. I was normally just going to go with my little button down that I normally wear during my presentations. But uh, I don't know. As an author, I, I kind of felt like a sweater-ish sort of look was better. But the only sweater I have is the one that I had for the Around the World trip. And it's got stains on it. I love it. And I will wear it for the rest of my days until it is just a barely, barely recognizable piece of clothing. Uh, and then I will turn it into a handkerchief. But... I couldn't wear that one. So luckily, uh, my sister Ina, friend of the show, shout out Ina. Hey, sis, mi hermana. Uh, she, and if you want to learn about uh, immigrating to the United States as a Mexican, uh, she is a fantastic uh, podcast. I can't remember what show it was, but it was great. I love my sister. She's the best. Um. She and I went shopping one day, and she was like, that would look really great on you. And I was like, oh, man, no, I'll get it. And I didn't really think too much of it. And then we were up at the register, and I did not realize that a cashmere uh, little carnigan or pullover, or whatever you want to call it, uh, that's really expensive. And that almost broke the bank. Yeah. Uh, but I was a little bit too hesitant to uh, be like, holy cow, that's what? Uh, put that back. So I accepted this fancy, fancy piece of clothing. And it's kind of funny because I literally have, I have one fancy pair of shoes that I bought in 2001 that I still have and wear, and they almost now have holes in the soles. Uh, I have no fancy pants. Uh, I do have one fancy pullover. Thank you, Ina. And um, then I've just got pretty standard white and blue button downs. Uh, I do have a tie on Sparrow. I think it may have been lost in the wreckage, but uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I'd say the fanciest accessories I have is like a nice unused uh, pith helmet. That's about it. So, I don't know. Pretty crazy. Oh, it's so cool to be able to just look back and see my room. Got the window open, doors halfway open. Like, everybody's welcome, man. It's a party up here. <laughs> that's how it was when you were on the AT, I'll tell you. There'd be times where like five, six, half dozen of us be up there uh, from the trail in the same motel. I'm like, dude, those doors never close. Yeah, half time, we didn't even bring our bags back in. You just lay them out in front and sort of take things as you needed them because you didn't want the stank to get in there. Oh, so beautiful, man. The whole sky's cleared up. I'm starting to see a couple of big, bright stars. That moon is just glowing. <sighs> you know, sometimes you just got to you, you gotta take that moment in. I think that's probably one of the hardest things about being on the road uh, in this capacity is that you're really trying to focus on the next talk, the next presentation, booking the one after that. It's it's a, it's a work trip, and the more effort you put into it, the more you get out of it. So I sort of jump into that mindset, and sometimes I miss out on things. And right now I just, even though I'm doing a podcast while I do this, and it might be I might be able to take it in a little bit more if I wasn't talking into this microphone. Uh I feel like I'm just doing sort of a stream of consciousness, so I'm not too worried about it. I feel like I'm still taking it. I mean, just I'm staring down this moon. The man on the moon and I, we got a little, 
a little staring contest going on right now. Feels good. I feel like I'm involved. I feel like I'm involved. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on any of this right now. Mm. And if anything, I feel like I'm kind of sharing it just a bit. Um, so it feels good. But, yeah, you do. It's, it's, it's so easy to just caught up in this world, man. I, I missed out on so many things this whole summer trying 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 my best to like build this thing but i feel like i feel like it's worth building i feel like it's something worth trying i feel like it's a challenge that's definitely worth taking on and you know it's it felt like it was going to be a success for a while and then it started to fall apart and then it completely collapsed with covid and uh you know now i'm up at bad again and i feel like it's it's definitely if I don't give it a shot now and I don't give it my all, then then I might as well fold it up right now and uh, and get a job and start working for somebody else. But, man, I don't want to do that. I really, really want to keep doing what I'm doing. And, and uh, I don't know. I just believe. I believe in it. I know that in the end, after all the all the hard work, it'll it'll sort of pay off, or it might, or I hope it does, or maybe it won't. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm gonna at least keep trying because uh, just the fact of trying, I think, sometimes uh, really makes a big difference in one's life. It has an impact of you know you sort of go to bed feeling like yeah, I tried. I wasn't doing the easy way. I was trying to actually do all the hard stuff and taking it head first. Let's go for it. Next up, Tony Robbins. <laughs> Jesus. Sometimes I just got to throttle back. Enjoy the show, man. Life's a journey, you know. What's the point if you end up if you end up and that's the thing I've always run away from for so many years is like, "Oh, well, you could go and work until you're 65 and then you have built a nest egg and you can retire." And uh and then you can go do all the things you want to do except the only problem is you're 65. And uh, you can't do all the things that you thought you wanted to do back when you were 30 or 20 or whatever. And uh, But at the same time, it's a catch-22 because if you do all the things that you wanted to do back when you were in your 20s and 30s, uh, the problem is, is that you haven't prepared a whole lot and you start to scramble against the clock being like I have built nothing I own nothing and I'm a little bit like wow I'm I'm 40 I'm mid 40s now and I need to have something and that's a little bit frightening ooh that's a nice engine brake listen to that guy crank it mm. so I there is a little bit of panic mode that prods me forward for sure I won't I won't lie about that but uh you know, that's the spice of life, too. Just feeling anything, really. You know, I think, I think if anything, the scariest, scariest thing in life is to be bored. To be day-to-day, day-after-day bored. You're not challenging yourself. You're not doing anything that takes you out of the comfort zone. You're just trying to be more secure. I like that. I don't know. You get in, you get in that rut, and holy smokes, that's a, that's a scary place to be. Even if you have a ton of money, you, all you'll end up doing is just building your own prison cell. It might be really fancy and have lots of toys in it, but holy smokes, you got nothing. You're you're locked into that sucker because the the view the view. I don't know. I don't want to get too high and mighty by any means or anything like that. I don't want to. I don't want to preach too much, and I, I definitely don't want to. Uh, judge anybody for doing whatever the heck they want to do because we all got to live our lives but right now at this point in time I want to build something on my own I want it to be something that I created and I want it to be something that can give my life a little bit of stability so that I can hang up my vagabond badge and you know Walk into a dentist's office and not have to worry about how much it's going to cost. <laughs> oh, it was a big one this year. Jeez. Ah, nah. Who knows? Who knows? Stream of consciousness here. Nobody can blame me for anything I'm saying because I've been on the road all day. And I'm uh, 
just staring off into the abyss of people who are traveling for whatever reason. No idea why. Where they're going. There's so many cars out there. They're all going different places. I wish you could just get a glimpse into why and where. That'd be really quite interesting. If, if this was a screen, and who knows, maybe the metaverse or whatever thing, I'll someday be able to throw some goggles on and it'll tell me where each and every one of these cars is going and why they're going there. That'd be pretty interesting. Like, oh, Massachusetts. Oh, Dallas, Texas. Oh, down the street. Oh, no, grocery store. Oh, blah, blah, blah. you know. That would be pretty scary if people were tracked that hard, but why not? I'm sure I'm being tracked with my phone. Lord only knows. Oh, now there's some crazy lights. This guy's got like big yellow lights facing forward, super low. I don't even know what, he, what that is coming up. Pretty crazy. Such a neat like mountain pass. Definitely could sit out here all day, even though it's night. Which kind of gives it a, a little bit of spookiness, I suppose. But alas, it is getting to the witching hour of 8.30. And I do probably need to go and do a little bit of uh, research. Uh, and once again, go over my schedule to make sure that I don't screw it up. And I'm going to the same place so that... One of the challenges that I have taken on on this this uh, trip has been to do a 30-minute presentation for a racing club. It's like 200 members or something like that, and they're junior sailors, so they're younger. So it's supposed to be kind of an impactful um, sort of thing, and... You know, not the whole freaking story or anything like that. It's more it's more about like I, I need to I need to present them with a pretty good message. And I think, you know, the message of taking on these challenges, because I was thinking about it the other day and you know how I'm sort of wrapping up this this presentation now is sort of this idea of like, you know, if somebody came to me before I had set sail on this last voyage and said, Hey, uh, just so you know, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go through some really ugly weather for like a week. And then you're going to go through a really bad night. And you're going to get turned over by a wave. And it's going to break a bunch of the stuff that you just put on. Um, you know, just so you know. And somebody, t- obviously somebody says that to me. I'm probably going to be like, well, I guess I'm, I'm not going to go then. Uh, but that would be from my vantage point now, a pretty big mistake because I'm very glad that that voyage happened and I gained that experience and I learned what happened. I learned, I learned how I react to those situations. And luckily I was able to film quite a bit of that, but, uh, it's just one of those things where the gained experience was well worth the failure of the voyage, so to speak. And, uh, I don't know when I, you know, if I'm talking to a group of younger people, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of many times where I was younger and maybe I was just a moron and I wasn't paying attention, which is a hundred percent totally valid question to ask myself right now. Uh, but uh, I, I just, I don't remember any being like anybody of authority or anything like that being like, dude, how, how are you challenging yourself? Like, what are you, what are, what, uh, what are you taking on to grow as a person? You know, if I was sitting there talking to a bunch of sailboat racers, I'd be like, dude, you know, if somebody came up and, and, you know, told you that you were going to come in dead last place because your mast was going to fall down in this race. Would you still go out? No. Well, dude, you should. That's a very good experience to have. If you don't have that experience under your belt, then how do you know how you're going to deal with it? That's like a question mark from that point on. Anyway, that's sort of the idea um, that I'm trying to sort of cultivate. And Because, you know, I've done four huge voyages, uh, three of which have failed. I got to spend a huge... 88 days circling the Atlantic, dodging sort of the hurricanes that year, 29 of them, and then, or 29 name storms or something, I don't know what it was, 
2020. Went right through the eye of a tropical storm in 2021, and then 2022 get turned over by a rogue wave. And like it's, I don't know, those experiences are, I think, as valuable, if not more valuable, than going around the world. Uh, the one successful trip that I've done, you know, I'm batting whatever that is, uh, 25%? No. 30%? No. I don't know. Batting averages uh, sort of escape me at the moment, unfortunately. But yeah, so I don't know. Other than that, I'm going to close this one out uh, just by saying it is beautiful out here. We live in a gloriously, stunningly beautiful country. I went from farmland to rugged, uh, very steep woodland mountains of West Virginia. And now I'm under a almost full moon surrounded by a little nostalgia with the motel a little bit of uh i'd say how do i i don't know how i would describe the freeway at this point convenience um questionable motives as far as where people are going um but also one of the great arteries of our our country. I mean, you know, it is one of those things where if we didn't have the interstate system, I feel like a lot of places in our country would be far more isolated than they actually are. There is really something to be said by the fact that you can hop on a a piece of pavement in New York and literally in two days you can be out in L.A. without... A whole lot of trouble. And with lots of places to be able to stop and eat and sleep and do all the stuff you need to do. So that's pretty incredible. Hats off. Hats off to America right there. (sighs) I'm hoping that that... I'm pretty sure when I did that interview on TV, I said that that, uh, Mighty Sparrow was an (laughs) American-made West 32... Obviously goes without saying, but I'm, anytime you're in front of a big audience and you can say American-made, I think that's a good thing. Let's end on that. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>